Merritt Street, we're building a new morning show where our guiding principle is to always value your time. We'd love for you to join us. Be part of our community. Each morning will be packed full of news, information, advice, and a lot of fun. And we promise we'll never waste your time. I'm Dominique Soxa. I'm Fanchon Stinger. Join us for Morning on Merritt Street. 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Essential Television. Happy Wednesday, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and thank you for tuning in to a brand new episode of I've Got a Secret. I hope that everyone is staying so safe, so healthy, and happy. Today, I am thrilled to be joined remotely by Joan London. Oh, I'm so excited. Joan is a journalist, author, and was, of course, the co-host of Good Morning America for 17 years. Joan has a brand new book out titled, Why Did I Come Into This Room? (laughs) A Candid Conversation About Aging. Well, I just knew from moment one, she was the perfect woman to tackle today's topic with me, the secret to rocking any age. I have to tell you, I'm 66 years old and I am so proud of it. I feel like life just keeps getting better and better as I age. And I hope by the end of this episode, you feel exactly the same way. Joan, thank you for dialing in with me. It is my pleasure. A lot happened since the last time you and I saw each other. I know. So much has happened. And I can't, I have to admit to you, I can't say that it's been a lot of good things happening. But you know what? Here we are today, and I can't tell you how happy I am. I was so excited when I heard that you were available to remotely dial in and Talk with me about your new book. What inspired you to write this book? You know, I kind of felt like women experienced all these different symptoms of aging mm. um, by themselves. Like all of a sudden they would notice, oh, my my waistline's expanding. Gosh, it's harder to go to sleep. Gosh, I'm forgetting things. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe my, my bladder's leaking a little. And pretty soon they think, I'm getting old and I'm not as appealing and maybe I'm not as sexy anymore. Pretty soon I'm not as relevant and it's a terrible path for women to go down. And I thought to myself, the more, you know, it probably started after I fought and survived cancer and I read all these books about our body and how it works. And the more I read, the more I became passionate about sharing that information. Mm -hmm. And I started Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, it's not that we want to be younger, longer, We want to be healthier and stronger and more resilient and more, you know, vivacious longer. That's what we want to be. And and these things are going to happen. But if I could just lay them all out there, the good, the bad, the ugly, the embarrassing, the laughable, (laughs) and just talk about them. And my husband would say, you're really going to talk about that? I said, (laughs) yes, because it needs to be talked about so that we all realize that it's not something that's going wrong with our body. It's the natural biolog- biological changes that we go through. And if we understand them and we understand what just happened in our body to create something, then maybe we'll talk to our doctors and find out there are fixes for a lot of these things. You know what? <laughs> you you are so right because when I after I asked you the very first question about what inspired you to write this book, And you started listing some very, very valid reasons. And and you're so right. It is, the list is everything that women say and think and are being told. And if you notice, the list is so negative. And in my opinion, it does not have to be that way at all. And just me personally, I'm going to have to tell you, and to all of our listeners out there, again, I'll repeat myself, it does not have to be that way. And as I was 
getting older in the past, over the years, in my 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. As I said earlier, I'm 66 years old. I will say I made it a choice. I made it a point to decide getting older does not have to be a negative. It can be a positive in every way. And that's what I'm excited about today with you and your book and this topic. And that is encouraging and inspiring women to embrace aging in a positive way. Yes, there are some areas that we may not love, but I have to (laughs) say the alternative of alternative to getting older. I mean, we don't want that. We want to get older. And I I just strongly believe, and I I know that you do as well, there there are a lot of positives about getting older, about aging. And I hope by the end of this podcast, we inspire a lot of women to embrace every aspect. You know that saying, um, uh, with wisdom, with age comes wisdom. Yes. I think that's really true. I agree. I, I, I really do. I think that you get to a certain point, and it's probably different for different people, but 50s, 60s, where all of a sudden you aren't so concerned about what everybody thinks about you. Yes. First of all, you've learned how you've learned self-confidence over your lifetime. Yes. And you don't have to worry about it anymore because like I'm comfortable with who I am. Yes. And I it's it's an it's a freeing feeling. Yes. And it does come with age and you don't necessarily feel that sense of self-confidence when you're you know in your 30s or your 40s. You're still kind of like figuring it out and making mm-hmm. sure that you look right for everybody. And that's a pivot point I think that's really important. You know that I, I didn't just write about hot flashes. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I wanted to also write about it's mind, body, and soul, the way I mm-hmm. structured the book. And to me, the last third that's all about your soul, mm-hmm. that's all about letting go of, of regrets and mistakes and and any kind of revenge or whatever else that you're still carrying around uh-huh. um, is so much a part of it. And that allows you to then open up to a much greater sense of appreciation for life. Yes. For your age, for where you are. Yes. I love my life today. Yes. And you know what? I love the way you've written this book because you, when you get to the last part of it, you let women know, don't kick yourself for having not been wiser. I believe that we all have to experience every phase of our life to learn each phase of our life and to prepare for each phase of our life. So that's one thing I want to hopefully encourage a lot of women you have to experience life to become wise about life. So to be in your 20s and experience your 20s, then get to your 30s, don't kick yourself for everything you did not know in your 20s. And don't don't get to your 40s and kick yourself for everything you did not know in your 30s. But And then also at the same time, I hope to encourage a lot of women to inspire other women everything that you learn as you do go through every decade of your life. And then also listen to those women who wish to inspire you. Is, is that something that you agree, oh, yeah. agree with? I mean, because I, that's what I've taken away from your book. Friendship is so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really something that's so powerful, but especially as you age, And, um, you know, they say that the three most important, the three things that will predict how successfully you age are staying engaged in life, Mm -hmm. so important, social connections, not just, you know, the the daughter that comes and takes care of you, but friends, people that you want to, you wake up and you're thinking about and you want to go share your sorrows and your joys. And the third thing is a sense of purpose. Yes. And that's what makes you get up out of bed and get dressed and face the day. And that doesn't mean that you have to go, you know, create some nonprofit philanthropic 
you know, foundation, but it means that you have something to do, something to yes. get excited for. When I was a little girl, my mom, I so remember her, Glitzy Glatty. I write about her in the book. Some people have said to me, I feel like I know Glitzy Glatty after reading your <laughs> book. But she was my like own personal guru of positive thinking. Uh-huh. And I remember she also always used to say to me, make plans. Like half the fun of doing anything yes. is getting excited about it and anticipating it and making the plans for it. And she was so right. Of course, yes. my mom also used to say, you should have a big party at your house at least once a year. So you really clean your house. <laughs> oh, I so agree. Do you know? That's so true. I actually have made commitments to others to host parties, birthday parties. I even hosted a wedding at my house for someone just so I would make sure I had my yard and my home in tip top shape. It was that we had just moved in and I knew I would get busy and get it into tip top shape if I had committed to host someone's wedding in my home. So I totally agree with that. If you don't want to have your own party, offer to host someone else's in your own home. It will certainly help you and encourage you to get your home in tip top shape. We're kind of like party central for our, my husband has a huge extended family and um, my family is basically gone at this point, but um, we do everything, everyone's birthday, everyone's anniversary, mm-hmm. because I really like to entertain. Um, <clears throat> I love doing table settings. Yes. And so I, so everybody walks in and says, I don't get it. You work harder than any other person I know. And yet l- look at this. Like, how do you get time to do it? And I said, because I love to do it. Yes, you that's your payoff, isn't it? That's your yeah. payoff. That's my, I'm I the same way. It. It's, it's fun. To yeah. me, it's fun. You know, I always volunteered for everything like that at schools, at the boys' schools. I always hosted the after football game parties at my house and that kind of thing because it it was the payoff for all of the hard work we all do in, in our lives. If I could host the parties, then that was, that was, uh, that was fun. That wasn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. I have four teenagers right now, two oh. sets of twins. Oh, wow. And I have my older girls, my three girls in their 30s. But the but the two sets of twins are 15 and almost 17. Like in two weeks, they'll be 17. So I've had these four teenagers under my roof wow. for the whole um, pandemic. I have to tell you, I've really noticed something. They're nicer I'm really serious. It's something about we've all been here as a family. When life is normally going on, everybody's at their practice. They come home and like are hardly at the table. They're they're so involved and they're uh-huh. totally connected to their friends. And you get all the eye rolls. Uh-huh. Now they've been here in the house. The four of them have become this really tight unit. Oh. You know, yesterday I looked outside and I saw them all out in the backyard playing volleyball together. Oh. I don't know if that would have happened eight <gasps> weeks ago. Wow. This has been, I think, some kind of a centering uh, uh. dynamic that's going on for the family. And I'm telling you, they are kinder, nicer oh, people. I totally Can agree. I just keep them home forever? <laughs> uh, I agree. I think that's a, a, a that's a positive. That one of the positives yeah. that ha- has come from this pandemic is that we're all back to the to the. I said this the other day. The fifties way of life, and that we're, days. Home, we're all home for <laughs> for dinner, and we're all having family time. And you had not one but two sets of twins in your fifties. Let me just say, because I, I, I we used a surrogate, so there's a wonderful woman in our life, Deborah Bolig Terrell. And, um, you know, I thought it was going to be a piece of cake. I had these <laughs> other three girls while getting up at 3.30 in the morning doing Good Morning America. How can anything be harder than that? And it's just not as easy to have pregnancy stick oh. as, as you get older. And Jeff said to me, my husband, you have to kind of count years and dog years when yes. you're when you're at this because I was 45 and he was 35 when we met. And wow. so we used a surrogate. We decided to, you know, not I, he said, this is not a competition <laughs> to see if you can get pregnant. This is creating a family. That's the point here. Wow, um, that's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And 
you know, after we had the first set of twins, um, I ran a women's camp for about 10 years because my husband owns and operates summer camps up in the state of Maine. And I invited our surrogate up because we bring her, we keep her in our life. Oh, I love that. I want, I want my children to understand that this person helped us make a family. Oh. This is not a thing where you said bye-bye and thanks a lot, you know, yes. thanks for letting me use your uterus and, you know, see you later. Um, and so she's still very much a part of our life. And she came up to camp and I heard her and Jeff talking and she was saying, if you want to do another set, you got to do it soon. Cause I'm going to close up shop. And my husband was saying, well, we still have embryos. We made a bunch of embryos and they're very cold. <laughs> they're frozen. And I said, what are you guys saying? So after we, after she had the second set of twins for us, Kim and Jack, she looked up at my husband and said, Jeff, if you want any more kids, you're going to have to get another surrogate. And I looked at her and I said, Deborah, if he wants any more kids, he's going to have to get a new wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can totally understand that. That's hilarious. You know, I have a twin brother and it, it's, oh, a very, really? it's a very special bond to, to be a twin. And I really yeah. always wanted to raise twins, but of course I didn't. But I'm so happy for you that you were a part of having two sets of twins in your family. I think that's so beautiful. I just well, love I'm that. Well, I to tell you, Robin, if you put in more than one embryo, you could very likely get more than one child. <laughs> oh my God. Nowadays, they don't do that now. My daughter, uh, one of my daughters um, went and used the same fertility doctor that we used. She had gone through, just wasn't having success. And when they did in vitro for them, she called me, I remember, and said, they want to do, they want to test the embryos and it's like an $8,000 test. So wow. I got on the phone with the doctor um, and I said, explain to me this. He said, oh, Joan, you know, when, when you and Jeff were doing this, it didn't make any difference if you had twins. You guys were older, you were successful, you had the economics there, but this is a young couple and we don't want young couples to have twins. Um, it's tough on them for a million reasons. And so now we test every embryo and where it used to be that we'd throw in four or five and hope for one. Now we can pick out that one embryo that we are sure is going to take. And sure enough, it, but with one, and then she has another little boy now, Asher, who's just a year old and Mason, they're so cute. Um, and she had success with it because they don't want young couples to end up with twins, uh, unless they, you know, for some reason wanted it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's well, come a long way. I'm so impressed because uh, the fact that you did have those two two sets of twins in your 50s, because I became a grandmother at 56. And uh, <laughs> listen. Robin, it, I got to tell you, it was like an assembly line at our house. We had, <laughs> we did this, we put a, a bathroom and down by our downstairs family room and we put a long bathtub in and we put all four of them in there and then we but you have to have ready four little towels with four little diapers four sets of jammies four oh gosh and we'd bring them out you know and it was like literally an assembly line <laughs> an assembly line oh my gosh well i i am envious because i bet that was just so much fun and you know, we've we just now <laughs> been talking about our ages and what what was going on at that point. And so let me ask you, because of your book, why do you think women are uncomfortable? A majority of the women, especially, are uncomfortable talking about their age. A couple of reasons. Number one, because society has fed us this line forever. Have you ever noticed that when there's an article in in any of the magazines, even if there's a they're talking about a couple, a, the man and the woman. It'll just say his name. Yes. But every time in front of the woman's name, it'll have her age. Yes. It's like we're obsessed with age in this culture. And, you know, I the first chapter of the book is how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Oh, and yes. it's, everybody, they say everyone has a number. What's your number? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even have a number because... Really? I, That's very unusual. I don't have a number. I actually really don't care about age so much so that oh, when I was 55, I was 55, I wrote a book. 
and the, and I wanted to give as much information about age and about my life at the time uh, as I could. So I brought in experts for every chapter. Uh, what's what's hormones got to do with it? What's nutrition got to do with it? What's hair? Everything. What's uh, and so I named my book. What's age got to do with it? Yeah, and, I love that. And I and I told my editor. I told my. Uh, uh, literary agent, everyone, I said, okay, so I really, really want to put my age on the cover of the book. I want to, I was 55 at the time. And I said, I want to put a big 55. I want to be sitting on a big 55 and, and like question mark, like what's age got to do with it? And they all looked at me like I was crazy, said, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I'm like, I, I was shocked at their reaction, but I did it. I said, I, I am going to do it. And uh, that's how strongly I feel about it. Age is just a number. It's just oh, a number, and it's and really, it's what you make it. What how you how you live your life. It's what you do with your life that matters, not the number. Well, and, you know, I'm going to turn seventy this year. <gasps> Congratulations! Congratulations! And I remember when I turned sixty-five. I was that one was kind. I mean, I. At that time, and they do it a little differently now, though, I had to go to the Social Security office. <laughs> and you go in and there's this whole big room of people. I talk about this in the book. And I remember that day I put this little sundress on because it was um, late August because my birthday September. And I remember looking in the mirror and saying, is this skirt too short for my age? Mm. And I hate that qualifier. I and agree. But I was going that day to the social security office <laughs> where you sign up for old age. <laughs> and I thought, why do they make us come in here? They have our tax returns. They know how old we are. Yes. So I go to the window and the woman says, all right, put your name, write your name down there. I'll call your name. Said, You're going to call my name out loud <laughs> in here. So I stood right there by the window. Oh, how funny. You got my name. And when I sat down with the, the guy who takes all your info, he says, I must have looked like a deer in headlights. He said, I know, you just can't believe you're here. I hear it all day long. But, you know, I think that in this country, everything's managed by that number. If you have five women and they're all 65, one could be a marathon runner. Mm -hmm. One could be, you know, really retiring, working in her garden. They could be completely different. And yet our society will call them all a 65-year-old woman. That's so true. That's so and true. it's probably the least descriptive adjective you could possibly <sighs> Thank choose. you. You are so right. And what, what steps do you feel we need to take as a society to end the stigma around growing older? I think women are working on it. I, I mean, we haven't, you know, conquered it. But yeah. I think in the last 5, 10, 15 years, women have really stomped their feet. Mm -hmm. And I was about ready to go out and pick it outside Party City if they didn't get all that over-the-hill stuff off the shelf. I don't know yes. if you've noticed, but they have changed some of it. It's yes. not being skulls and over-the-hill. Like, come on. What world are you living in now? If we live till 95, 50 is like... We're at our peak. Yes. I, you know, I really actually started a campaign to get everyone to quit calling, entering the phase of menopause, going through the change, like you were going to change into some evil, yes. completely different person. Like, it, yeah. I, I'm going to tell you, entering the phase, and you in, it's a phase of life you enter and you never leave. It's, it's, it's a phase of it, life. That's it, all it is. It's a phase way, of it happens life. forever. It happens <laughs> To everyone, it's yeah. a phase you enter. And in my opinion, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I embraced it and I became and still am the healthiest I've ever been because I chose to embrace the phase of menopause and it it truly enabled me to become the healthiest and yeah. happiest, most content woman I have ever been simply because I chose to embrace my health, my body, my, who I am, mind, body, soul, as you said earlier. And, and it, so I consider it, it being the best 
phase of my life, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And so, yes, I just, I hope that someday getting older is looked at as one of the best things that can ever happen to anyone, man or woman. Yeah. But I think if we, if people like us, Robin, that we keep talking about it, you know, what happens with a lot of, a lot of people like in our age category, they grew up at a time where everybody kept saying, we heard from our parents and we heard from other relatives. Oh, Uncle Charlie can't do that anymore. Oh, you better sit down. Oh, and we have tens of thousands of hours of tapes mm-hmm. running in our head that says you're going to decline. Yes. You're not going to be able to do this anymore. And you really have to fight that. And you have yes, to understand that it's there, but it's from a time gone by. That's so that true. Not, it is not the world we're living in now. Yeah, and, and, and I have to say, they're, they're vibrant. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the good parts of getting older. And what do you think are the best parts about aging? The, what, what are all of the really, as you just said, what there are good things. Yes, there are some things as you get older that you can't do when you were younger. And I say to that, thank God. Thank yeah. God I don't have to do those certain things anymore. I can replace those things with better things, things I enjoy more. So let's talk about the good. I am much calmer. Mm-hmm. I am much more patient. I am much more appreciative of sunrises and sunsets and my drive to work where the sun comes through these beautiful trees in Greenwich, Connecticut. I, I actually think about it. I look at it and I, wow, I would not have done that when I was 30 or 40. Yes, because I was so busy when I was 30 and when I was, I was 40. So I was so busy creating my beautiful life, my beautiful family, or creating and getting started doing what it was I knew I wanted to do and with my life. And so, yes, I couldn't do those things. So look, now I get to do some of the things. It's, it's, a, it's a payoff. It's kind of yeah. like almost a trade-off. Like, yes, I don't mind that in my 30s I was so busy working 24-7 or whatever, creating the life I knew I wanted to create and didn't have time for that. So now I do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth. But when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street. Essential television. And you know what? I want to stop for just a second right here, because with every podcast, I always like to have what we call the drink of the day. My team usually puts all these drinks of the day together, and they really work hard. Rachel works really hard. I have one team member that works really hard to create a drink of the day that really applies to what we're talking about. And she has created a green tea cooler. And I think it's perfect oh, for, for this. Now, I love that. What's in it? I wish we were together and could really sit together yeah. and sip this, but I'm going to put this recipe on the website. I've got a secret okay. with robinmcgraw.com. And so everyone can go there. And when they get to sit with their best friend and talk about aging and their lives together and getting older, they will have this recipe when this pandemic is over. So The uh, recipe is one green tea bag, one tablespoon of honey, one ounce of fresh lemon juice. You can also add two ounces of vodka. (laughs) You can now you can take that out and just make it a mocktail if you want. But one sprig of fresh mint, 
and one mm. fresh lemon wheel for garnish. So you brew the green tea, then you place it in the refrigerator for at least 30 minutes to cool. And once it's cool, you add the honey, the lemon juice, and vodka. You stir it well and pour it over the eyes. Garnish it with a lemon wheel and the mint. And then you can just sit, put your feet up, and enjoy this beautiful life you're living once you're out of the pandemic. Or, because we all are in this pandemic together, we can all go out on our porch or outside in our backyards or just sit inside our homes and sip this and be glad that we have the time to do it. So, Yeah. <laughs> you had me at mint. I love mint. I do too. Oh. I love green tea. And I love it when it's chilled. So and me I'll, too. Yes. Yeah, so I'll have that. And when it's hot, it can give you a hot flash. I know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I, I mean, I really love hot green tea, but I really love this chilled. So that'll be on the website and everyone can enjoy it, if, make it for themselves. So now you talk a lot about the importance of friendship and why are maintaining bonds throughout life so important? Why do you feel that way? And first of all, that chapter is called Friends are therapists that you can drink with. <laughs> <laughs> and they won't charge you. <laughs> but, you know, there's, I mean, friendship is so powerful. And, you know, these are treasures in our life mm -hmm. to have friends who will tell you what you need to hear yes. and not necessarily just what you want to hear that are honest. They kind of can be like a mirror and reflect back to us, you know, who we are. Um, they're incredibly important as you age. Mm -hmm. uh, isolation, according to the experts, isolation is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Really? That is how negatively isolation impacts a senior. And however a person goes about adding friends to their life, whether it's at your church, whether it's at, you know, um, community events. I know here where I live in Greenwich, they have something called at home in Greenwich and seniors can uh, sign up for it. There's like a yearly subscription fee, but they have usually not right now, of course, mm -hmm. this array of events. And they even have volunteers that will come and pick you up and take you to them because oh. it's so important that you have friends. I mean, it's one of the reasons why seniors move into senior communities so that you can play the card game. My mom, she always like, she was so happy because she was the reigning bingo champ. I love it. And, and, and she had a number of boyfriends. Most of them passed away. And then she found the next guy that moved in. <laughs> and I remember the people who were there said she never wants to, to sit with the ladies. She always wants to be at the table with the men. And my mom said, they're all talking about their grandkids. I don't know their grandkids. I don't care about them. I want to hear about the news of the day, the politics that are going on. The men are having interesting conversations. I bet she liked My to mom. flirt. <laughs> and she liked to flirt. She yes, was glitzy, yes. glitzy gladdy. That'll keep you young too. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you tell us about a friend of yours who's special to you? Oh my gosh. I have some really, you know, it's interesting though. I actually am jealous of my older daughters Aww. because they have such a huge array of friends mm -hmm. because they have them from high school and they have them from college. They have them from sleepaway camp. I was racing through school. I graduated from high school when I was 16. Wow. I had skipped a couple of grades. I went away, but I, my mom was so worried about me. I applied to UC Berkeley and Stanford and UCLA. And my mom said, I'm not letting you be on a campus at that age. Oh. So she sent me away to something called World Campus Afloat. It's now semester at sea. So I was on a ship with about 400 kids. It was much more contained. And we went around the world. Wow. And she said, I want you to go broaden your horizons. Oh. And it was great. But then on that ship, most of the kids were 21 because it was their junior year abroad. I heard about this, this other university in Mexico City. I'm, I'm just a wanderer. I'm an adventurer. Oh. So I went from the ship to Mexico City and I, I loved it. I went for three months for a trimester and I stayed for three years. And that was a school, again, that people didn't go and have, there were no fraternities or sororities. People kind of came and went. It was a destination. So I 
I had a wonderful time and an incredible life experience, but I didn't kind of put down roots to mm -hmm. get these long, lifelong friends. It wasn't until I went to New York City to work um, with ABC that I started having assistants. And those assistants traveled the world with me. Uh -huh. We went everywhere. We made every decision together. And there are five ladies uh -huh. who are my absolute best friends in life. And they happen to all be my past assistants. I love and that. They come in and out of my life. One of them is working for me right now. She was my very first assistant. I hired her in like 1979 when she was still in college. She was my college intern. And I was doing reports for GMA, but I wasn't a host of Good Morning America yet. And as soon as I got the job, she was coming out of college. She never had to go look for a job. Boom. Oh, I love it. Job. Neither one of us knew what we were doing. I had a brand new baby who was seven weeks old. But we figured it out. I mean, it was fun and we, we figured it all out together. And so those are really some of my closest best friends. Um, and then I have a, a wonderful friend, Laura Morton, and she helped me write many of my books. She produced an exercise video way back when. Um, and she just, you know, these are the people that are in your foxhole. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's so <laughs> true. Know? That's so true. That'll have your back. Yes. And they're still your friends. It says yeah. so much because my closest friends, I can honestly say work with me. I I, I never say they work for me. They work with yeah. me. Then it's the same thing. Yes. It's like me. I mean, we, I mean, here we are I, since like 1980 is when I started with Elise. Oh. She's still with me. You know, Jill, this Jill Siegerman, she's just one of my treasured friends. I mean, I've been off GMA for, I don't know, 18 years or so. Yeah. She was my last assistant there. I, you know, when I something happens happy, I can't wait to call them. Mm. When something's terrible, I remember when I was diagnosed with cancer. I mean, those oh. were my first calls yes. to, those, to those friends who I knew that would be there with me and help build me up when I, you know, help me feel strong when I wasn't feeling so strong. Uh -huh. um, oh yeah. They're they're, And you know, if people don't have good girlfriends, uh -huh. if you're female listening, seek them out, you know, and when you go to somewhere, be open, go over and say hi and start a conversation. And sometimes the friends that you make later in life, because I have some of these too, Actually, my daughter married a wonderful guy, Evan Weinberg. His mom oh. is one of my best friends now. I and she's Louise, Louise Weinberg. I remember she called me up when my Lindsay was having her first baby and says, all right, I want to be Lulu and <laughs> you should be Jojo. So I'm Jojo and she's Lulu and we're fabulous friends. And sometimes when you make friends later in life, they're at the same place as you. They have the same concerns. They have the same, we're, you just, you just like immediately connect. And those can be some of the best friendships. So I really encourage women to, to broaden their, their realm of friends, because as you grow older, having those people in your life is really so meaningful. Oh, I so agree. And you know, the, the saying, if you want a friend, be a friend. Yeah. So yep. don't just sit around waiting for someone to come and be your friend. Go yeah. out and be a friend and make a friend. But I think you're so right. It's it's very, very important as you get older to to have friends because uh, how are you going to celebrate all of the victories in your life <laughs> if you don't have a friend that can celebrate with you and and you can celebrate their victories? It's it's just so important. And again, that's another plus about getting older. You you have time now to celebrate all the hard work mm -hmm. and all of the victories and the everything you've accomplished. The only way to really describe this phase of my life and being a grandmother is to to describe it as the the dessert phase of my life. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It's so true. It's like it's like raising my children was it was such a joy that that phase of raising having children and being a mother it was a joy it was a pure joy but being a grandmother that's the dessert phase <laughs> <laughs> because you're also not running i mean when i had my first three girls i was on good morning america my life just went by you know i talk in the book about um you know when you get to this 
to this point where you'll kind of look back on your life. I have this area down in the basement of our house where I just have all the videos and memorabilia. And I was in there one day and I was looking for something. And as I looked around at all these like keys to cities and all these, it just all this stuff. And I thought, my gosh, I went through that phase of life so fast that I could barely remember some of these things happening, but I know they happened because all the memorabilia is here, but each one of them should have been an amazing memory of life. And yet I was going so fast that it was hard. I, I thought that's terrible. I should like, I start. I came back. I went to my guide of all my videos and all of my, my um, pictures. And I said, look at this. And I thought, wow, we went to all those countries in that one year. Oh, I must've made a mistake. So I pulled the GMA. I have the GMA travel guide and said, Wow, we really did go to all those countries um, in one year. And I it made me I could almost hear the brakes going yeah, because yeah. I had slowed down to the speed of life. And believe me, when I slow down to the speed of life, I'm still passing up most of the cars on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> admittedly, admittedly, um, my husband always says, not that I'm looking forward to it, but I want to be there when they do your autopsy oh. because I I want to see what that little chip is that you have inside of you that the rest of us don't have. <laughs> you know what? I almost feel like, I almost feel like, because I've had so many people say that to me, like, what is it about you? I think when it comes right down to it, that little chip in you is going to be a just a decision that you made a long time ago that I'm yep. never going to slow down. I'm not going to waste one minute. It's going to come down to, it was just a decision. And let me, you know, let me, let me say this. I love how you talk about decline to decline. Can yeah. you tell our listeners about that? You know, again, we've got all these preconceptions about aging and that, you know, you hit this one point and you start to decline. Mm-hmm. And if you think that, it will become become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, Philip always says, what you fear, you create. And so I Absolutely. agree with you. I totally agree with you. I mean, you can wake up. I mean, to me, you should wake up every day and decide mm-hmm. that it's going to be a fabulous day. Yes. If you decide that it's going to be a fabulous day, I'm here to tell you that it probably will be. And if you wake up and say, oh, God, another day of this pandemic, what am I going to do? then it'll probably go along like a snail's pace. It's so true. I mean, it's so true. It's Be our, positive. It's our, it's our mind. So your your tips for it, decline to decline. Get some sunshine. You say oh. get some sunshine. Put more energy into your voice. I love that one. Just put some more energy noticed, into your voice. Have you noticed how when women start to get older, they start to be all timid and talk young, talk like softer and softer? Well, I say... Put some music on, close the door. Nobody has to see you do this and sing because yes. you know what? You really can't sing in a whisper. It's so true. It's, I think it's physically impossible. Sing and like let yourself get your voice back because part of not declining is keeping your voice. And it's oh, so it's important. True. It's so true because you know what? I tend, I, I will admit this. I tend to talk a lot. I tend to talk really fast. And I why tend to talk really other. loud. <laughs> and I'm not going to stop. I mean, stop. that's like Patty Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. That's what my father used to call me, my, my one of my sisters, Chatty Kathy, because I, I just, I really do. I talk a lot and I talk really fast. <laughs> you always say, do a good deed. I love uh, that. I love it. Helping others invariably helps yourself. Yes. Always. Yes. You know, it just makes you feel good. I was never prouder of my daughter, Sarah, than one day when we got out of the car, we were parked on Greenwich Avenue, and she had a couple quarters in her hand, and she put the quarters in, and she still had some, and she just walked up to the car in front and put them in that one. Yes. And I looked at her, and she said, hey, you know, just always paying it forward. Oh, I just love it. I mean, to me, I was, that made me so proud of her. And I was like, you did okay, London. I love <laughs> it. I love it. 
There's nothing yeah. greater than to see your own child do something really beautiful and heartfelt yeah. and sincere and not really want any recognition for it. I, I, I totally agree. Well, they always say to really be a terrific person is to do things, um, kind things when nobody else can notice. Yes. Yes. I love it. Part of your list also, you say, just act happy. <laughs> yeah. It's well, you so know, true. But people don't really, I think, fully understand. And I think that they think something has to make them happy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. happy is really in you. You just have to, like, unwrap it. That's right. And even smiling, when you smile, those muscles in your face, yes, they actually send signals to your brain. Yes. And, and they also... Even after you stop smiling, that sick, those signals linger on. Yes. And every morning before I would go down into the studio at Good Morning America, the last thing I would do is I would look in the mirror and I would smile. Yeah. Because that was like, I was like that. What's the old saying? You're not fully dressed without a smile. Oh, I love Think that. And I always smiled. And whatever was bothering me or whatever I was going through, I left it in the dressing room, closed that door. And took my smile downstairs because that's it. what I knew I needed. You know, that that's what was going to really kind of hit you even before the news of the day that I had to yes. deliver. Yes. It would be my exuberance for the day and my happiness. Yes. Yes. Do you know I actually had someone, well, this has actually happened to me more than once. I've had a couple of times someone say to me, every time I see you, you have a smile on your face. No one can be that happy all the time. I was like, what? No, I, I, I do actually tend to smile a lot. And yeah, I, I think I came out me. smiling. Yeah, I'm like, uh, oh, actually, yeah, I just haven't, I just smile. I'm smi- Yes, if I'm smiling, I'm happy, okay? <laughs> and Absolutely. why are you smiling? I kind of wanted to say, but I didn't. <laughs> so now in your book, you talk about what women go through in the aging process. And there's a quote, you say, the good, the bad, and the embarrassing. What's a yeah. funny story you can share with the listeners? Well, I share this story with them. <laughs> um, okay, I will. Okay. Usually I make you buy the book to get the story. So <laughs> I have... The Spank story. Oh, I love it. So I was at this big, elaborate, like high profile gala ball. Yeah. And I had a like a very form fitting, totally like beaded dress on. Yeah. And they weigh a ton. Yes, they do. And also kind of like had a little of there's no getting around it. You had to wear a Spanx garment. Uh-huh. And those uh-huh. things are expensive. And so I had my Spanx garment on and I had my beaded dress on and I needed to go to the bathroom. Uh-huh. So I went into the bathroom and I talk in the book about the Pavlovian response, ding the bell, feed the dog, ding the bell, feed the dog. Pretty soon you ring the bell, the dog salivates <laughs> Same with your bladder. Your bladder knows when you turn the key to your house that you're not far away. So you have to beat it. You have to beat that Pavlovian response to the toilet. (laughs) Well, this night, there I was in my little stall in the bathroom. And do you know how hard it is to get those beaded gowns up Uh and then to hold them? And then to get the banks down? (laughs) Let us just say that the Pavlovian response was the winner that night. So now... I had no other choice. I couldn't stay in there all night. So I wiggled out of the Spanx. And I had this tiny little purse that barely fit my lipstick and things. So I stuffed that, what, $175 Spanx in that little container, left them behind. And I had no other choice. I dropped my gown to the floor and went back out. And I couldn't, every time I would talk to somebody else, I would think, I'm talking to this person and I'm embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. And and my husband said, you're not going to tell that story. I said, absolutely. I said, that's a story that every woman will relate to. That's exactly right. 
women don't like you because of your perfections. They like you about how you handle your imperfections. That's exactly right. And you were willing to throw away $170. I know. I had no choice, Robin. I had no choice. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I love it. I love it. But you're, you're so right. You had no choice. Oh, that's hilarious. I had no choice. And you know, telling those kinds of stories, that's what makes your reader say, oh my God, I had something just like that happen. That's it exactly seems like everyone, everyone who's read the book that comes to me, whether they're 30, 40, 50, or 60, they all say, you were writing that for me. <laughs> like all those things are happening to me. That's so right. I and, think and everyone it's said. It's kind of a playbook. <laughs> everyone's thinking. And when you went back out there, you thought, why did I wear it in the first place? I'm standing here still, standing here wearing the dress. Oh, no, I was so embarrassed the whole night, Robin, and oh nobody knew. But, I mean, it was, I, I, I had like this chuckly smile on my face <laughs> the rest of the so night. Funny. <laughs> well, now we've come to the part of the podcast that I do with every guest. How do you feel about games? I love it. I do, too. I love games. Okay, so, Rachel has come up with this game and I love it. And today's game is called Memory Lane. Now, oh. of course, that's another item that can go on the list about aging. Yes, sometimes our memory can fail us, but it's worth it. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to list off the five okay. decades of life. And for each group, we're both going to recall a major life event, a lesson learned, or a favorite memory that stands out to us. Okay. So the decade of our 20s. So. Um, you go first. Oh, I'm going to go first. So in my 20s, I've got an event. Here it is. Okay. We were not married yet, but I was in my 20s. It was about, uh, I was probably 22, maybe a year before we got married. And I'm sitting at his home. He had come back to Texas and he was going to school, finishing school. He was living with his parents. And I, I was very close with his mother. His mother and I were just, I fell in love with her. She fell in love with me. And she <laughs> came up with this bright idea. She said, you know what? You would probably look great as a blonde. <laughs> and I had really long, dark hair and I worked full-time, went to school at night. And she said, why don't you, why don't we call my salon and get the guy to bleach your hair blonde? And I said, well, we'd have to do it on my day off because I only had one day a week off from my job. And so long story short, on Tuesday, I sat from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. to bleach out it? my, took all day to just to bleach it out. And it, it just singed my entire scalp. I oh. had I had sores on my scalp and scalp. I mean, and he didn't have time to put a toner on it. I had to go back the next Tuesday to finish it. And by the time I went back on my next day off, it had already started growing out. Oh, <laughs> so when I, I got there, I said, what are these little black spots all over my scalp. It looks like I have ants in my head. He goes, honey, those are called roots. I went, what? He goes, yes, and we can't touch up anything. We haven't even finished the bleaching process. <laughs> so you're already seeing roots. And my hair, I had so, I have a lot of hair. It tripled in size. So I had like all this hair. I remember sitting in the car and thinking, what am I leaning on? It was all my hair. But his mother convinced me to go blonde. And it was really pretty, but kind of cute. But I, it lasted about, a, it lasted until my scalp was well enough to dye my hair back. <laughs> so I'll tell you that when not, it was before my 20s, but when I was uh, probably about 18, 17, 18, um, I went into a local beauty contest. Oh. And my mom... My mom said, blondes never win. Like, look at the last, you know, 20 Miss Americas. They're all brunette. Oh, my gosh. Blondes, blondes come in as a runner-up. So I dyed my hair brown. No. It was the summer before I was going into college. So I was actually probably 16. Um, I dyed my hair brown, and 
I won. You, and the first runner up was a blonde. You have got to be kidding. Mothers no, are not. always right. And, <laughs> and when it was over, before I left to go for college to go on that ship, I dyed it back to blonde. I love it. Okay, the 30s. I had some great events that happened in my 30s, but probably the most life-changing event that happened in my 30s was a doctor's appointment that the result was the doctor was a very good friend of ours. He wanted to do a hysterectomy, and I almost did it. But before that, Philip says, no, because our, our only son, Jay, was six years old, and he said, I wish I had a little brother. And Philip had already had a vasectomy. He had it reversed and it worked. And one year to the day, I gave birth to our son, Jordan. And sadly, though he was born one year to the day, I lost my mother. So Uh that whole decade, that, that year especially though, but that whole decade was very meaningful for our entire family and I have to say it was it was life changing and we have I may have lost my mother, but we have Jordan. Three weeks after I gave birth to Jordan, I did indeed have to have a hysterectomy. <laughs> but we got Jordan in my thirties. So it was a miracle. What about you in your thirties? Well, in my thirties I had all three of my girls, Jamie oh. Lindsay and Sarah. But The thing that changed my life, I think forever, was when I was approaching 39 years old. And I saw this cover of a magazine and it had the Charlie's Angels, you know, remember the Uh Farrell of Jacqueline Smith? And it said, fit, fabulous, and 40. And I said, I wanna be that. Uh But I just got through having three kids and I never really lost all the weight from each one. And I decided that I was going to spend the next year from 39 to 40 so that I could become fit, fabulous, Ah, and 40. I love it. And I took it on almost as another job. I worked with a nutritionist. I worked with a trainer. And I literally, it's not so much that I lost 45 pounds, but I changed my life. I thought, God, I'm so tired all the time. How can I work out? I'll even be more tired. I didn't realize that I was going to eventually find that I'd come out of a workout bouncing off the walls Uh because of all the, you know, endorphins Uh going. And instead of my energy level being in charge of me and my life, I became in charge of my energy level. I love it. And I think that that year of my life and the results of it changed my future completely. Um, I'm sure that it added years to my life, and I think it added a little life to my years. Uh-huh. I'm just saying that I ended up, um, you know, five years later meeting my husband, Jeff. Uh-huh. And I always say when I was 29, I got married for the first time, and I had three wonderful girls, but it didn't work out. And I had married a guy who was 39 years old. So now 20 years later, when I was 49 years old, I got married again. Uh-huh. And again, I married a guy who was 39. Oh. Same age, (laughs) 20 years difference. But you know what? If I hadn't gone through that metamorphosis, not just of my body, but of my my attitude, my zest for life, I don't think I would have matched up to Mm -hmm. a guy 10 years younger the way we match up so amazingly. I love it. And statistically, we live 10 years longer than men. Mm-hmm. So I figure like we're even Steven. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Congratulations. <laughs> I love that. You have such a positive outlook and focus on life. It's just, your energy is just, it is very, very contagious. I have to say for my forties, in my forties, very life-changing decision when Philip said, uh, Oprah thinks I need to have my own show. What do you think about moving to California? I, being someone who loves change, at 47, I said, let's do it. I was so excited, and I've always thought my husband, I've always said this, I say it all the time, I think he's brilliant. I think he has so much to offer. 
to the entire world. I said, you bet. I said, get me some boxes. How fast can I pack us up? And so the most positive event, I think, in our lives and our entire family's life, actually, and just especially in mine, was to support my husband and move to California when I was 47 years old. And And how uh, wonderful was that, that you would be supportive of that? Oh, totally. Yes. Thank you for telling that. That that was probably one of the best and uh, smartest (laughs) events in our life in my 40s. What about yours? Because being fearful of change like that can so hold you back. Oh, I love change. I love change. My 40s, oh my God, my 40s. I was like the new person. Fabulous and fit 40s. (laughs) I mean, I, it was such a fabulous decade. I don't even know what to say. Um, I mean, being fit and being vivacious and, you know, they say your vibe attracts your tribe. And I, I was, I was just so happy. And, and it was because I was happy with myself. I had worked on myself and then I had dug deep. So my 40s, it was, I mean, I'll definitely say the best thing that happened to me in my 40s was meeting my husband, Jeff. I love that. So your 50s, what would you say about your 50s? I think you were just on a roll. Uh, yeah, I was on a roll. I'd say maybe two sets of twins that were like just hilarious and had so much fun. I oh, loved you know my what? 50s. I think I've already oh. answered my 50s because becoming a grandmother in my 50s, best thing that's ever happened in my life, of course, and then my uh, granddaughter was born. I was in my 50s. And then I'm going to carry that on into my 60s. Well, both of them were born actually in my 50s. So and still I'm in my 60s. And I'm just going to I'm going to carry this into my 60s. Because when I turned 60, I said, uh, my husband threw a birthday party, but my daughter-in-law planned it. My daughter-in-law is so precious and so adorable and supportive. She planned a birthday party, my 60th birthday party, and it just blew me away. I still will never forget. I think about it all the time. Katie Katie Perry performed for over an hour with a her with a with a troop of 25 people, I believe. And it was just phenomenal. And I can remember standing on that stage after Katie Perry had finished and I said, I'm telling you right now, 60 rocks. And I still say that I'm 66 and I still say that 60s rock. So I can't, I could, I could talk now forever. So I'm just going to stop right there because 60s rock. That's how I feel about my 60s. (laughs) I say 60s rock also. And look, and I even had a cancer diagnosis in my 60s, but you know what? God bless you. I learned, I learned from that about resilience and about keeping hope. And about sharing that part of your life with others that can benefit others. So, I mean, it might have sounded like a terrible experience, but in a weird way, it was a really wonderful experience. And now, in September, I'm going to be 70. And I expect my 70s to be fabulous. Yeah, I believe that they will be, Joan. Because let me just say, after spending this time with you, you rock. I think your 70s are going to be super. You are an amazing woman. And so I I have thoroughly enjoyed spending this time with you. And that's unfortunately all of the time we have for today. It's been great. It's really been fun. Joan, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. Could you please tell the Secret Squad where to find your new book? Oh, you mean this one? <laughs> yes, yes, that one. Yeah, why did I come into this room, A Candid Conversation in Aging? You can find it on every platform, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I think Barnes & Noble has um, autographed uh, copies. And also JoanLondonBook.com, uh, that comes through Premier Books, and they also have autographed copies. So, um, yeah, you can – and, and – I mean, I shouldn't get excited about this because we all have to be careful going out, you know, as yes. they open up states. But I have to admit, I lay in bed thinking, oh, man, they're going to they opened up bookstores in some states Love and it. women are going to be walking in. Mm-hmm. And since I made New York Times bestseller, they put you out in front. They're going to see my book I and it. I can 
I love the thought of them picking up that book and going up to the counter and buying it. It's like just the best. I don't blame you. I don't blame you for getting excited about that. Not one bit. And I cannot wait until the entire country is open and this pandemic is behind us and everyone can walk into the bookstore and see your book because it is a phenomenal book and you deserve all of the success. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, Robin. Oh, gosh. Okay, Secret Squad, you know the drill. Head on over to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for videos, behind-the-scenes photos, drink recipes, and weekly blogs. And thank you to everyone for your glowing comments on this podcast page. Keep them coming. Meet me back here next Wednesday. Bye-bye.